Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, coming to you on a holiday Monday. Uh, north of the border here, we've got Family Day, and other provinces call it different things, but uh, we've all got a holiday here. And and uh, south of the border, our American friends are celebrating President's Day. So everybody's off. Uh, there was some games in uh, NHL today early, but uh, no games in the NBA because they're on their all-star break. Uh, we've got uh, all-star weekend to break down here with Jason Cameron. We've got a little bit of UFC to talk about. Uh, not really much else. It'll be uh, probably a shorter podcast tonight, but um, happy family day to you, Jason. I hope you had a nice long weekend so far. Yeah, happy family day to you as well. And yes, it was a good long weekend. It was a very relaxing long weekend. I did not do much, which was exactly what the doctor ordered. Nice. Uh, I knew you were uh, set up for a date, though. Uh, how did the date go? Actually, the date went well. Uh, it looks like there will be another one. So happy to report. <laughs> nice to hear. I'm right on. Yeah, well, it's always a good thing if you get a second date out of the deal. Yeah, it usually is. It means the first date went well, so that's yeah. that's good. That's good. A lot of uh, a lot of people <clears throat> at work were giving you uh, helpful hints and ideas. Uh, did you take any of those, or did you just throw them away <laughs> and do your own thing? Yeah, I parking lot a lot of those ideas and advice. I just said I'll just put that in my parking lot and never visit it ever again. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a lot of the advice that was given was uh, something that no one, no one should take. Okay. No one. <laughs> Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you didn't make the mistake of eating on the way to the date, like I uh, heard you did before. Uh, well, we only needed to do that one time. Uh, and, and, and I learned from it. I learned, I learned these things. So yes, I went to the date hungry. Actually, you know what? Uh, we went to Cactus Club. And we both got the same dish, the spaghetti portofino, I believe that's what it was called. And it was very good. Nice. Spaghetti dish with like um, seafood in it, lobster, crab. I, yeah, it was, good. it was good. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Making me hungry. I haven't ate dinner yet. So, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have asked about dinner because now I'm going to be <laughs> thinking about it the whole podcast. I know, right? And now that I've just talked about dinner, I haven't had eaten dinner yet either. <laughs> made, made myself hungry. Okay. Made myself hungry. Uh, so it's the 21st of February. Uh, we're three weeks into Black History Month. Uh, just one more week to go. We'll actually be doing our next podcast on the 28th. Um, how's has Black History Month gone? Are you thinking, do you think that there's been enough made of it, uh, enough things that you're uh, seeing around the uh, around North America? I, you know what, I've well, obviously, it happens kind of every year. Um, I find that as years go on, uh, there's more emphasis put on Black History Month, which is always a good thing. And uh, from what I've seen so far uh, from TV or uh, stuff on the news or just being out and about, yeah, I, I think at least it's there. It's noticeable, which is a good thing. It's, it's People know that it is Black History Month where there might've been years past where they didn't know it was black history month. So that's, that's a good thing. That's nice. a good thing. Awareness is good. So. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed, um, I don't think they showed it this past weekend with the USC, but I think they showed it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they talked about the first 
black champion in USC history, and he's actually Canadian. Uh, Carlos Newton, uh, the very first uh, UFC champion. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get him on a podcast. I've had an opportunity to talk to him on a couple of occasions at of other events. And um, yeah, I would love to love to talk to him and talk to him about Black History Month and, uh, you know, being a pioneer, being the very first champion, uh, a black champion and from Canada. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that was uh, he was an excellent fighter. He, he was an awesome fighter to watch. I always loved watching his fights, and he was a great ambassador for the sport and for um, the, the race and culture of Black people across Canada. So mm-hmm. I was I was overjoyed when he won, and it was uh, always a pleasure to watch him fight. He's a great yeah. fighter. Yeah, it was actually a big upset. Pat Milicic, uh, he, he was able to beat, and Milicic at the time had one of the best gyms in the world, and uh, yeah, it was um, a, a huge deal, and uh, I'm glad that, um, yeah, that he's being recognized, uh, you know, so many years later. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the NFL and the uh, black head coaches and the lack thereof. Uh, Brian, Brian Flores brought it to light with his lawsuit against the NFL and three different teams. And uh, the word just came today that he's been hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's going to be their defensive assistant and linebackers coach. And um, this is a team that already had a black head coach. So uh, they've actually got the Rooney rule uh, in place because of them. So um, great, great on the Steelers for continuing to, to do this, but um, yeah, what's going on with the other franchises and, and the lack of uh, hiring these uh, black head coaches? Well, that, you know, there's just seems to be like a ceiling for some and not for others. Yeah. And that ceiling is that, the Blacks can't get to the, those head coaching positions, which is not right. All you have to do is just look across the league and just, if you're going to try to tell me that there's nobody Black that can actually fill the role of being a head coach uh, throughout all those other teams, yeah, give me a break. That, that's absolutely not true. It's not true. So um, hopefully going forward into the future for the league, there'll be more parity when it comes to the hiring practices around the teams. Yeah. But maybe what actually needed to happen was this lawsuit to happen and this lawsuit to actually maybe possibly push owners to reevaluate how they do their hiring practices. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's great that he got a job. Uh, you know, there was worry there for myself and, and many others that he might be blackballed from the league. He might not get an opportunity from anywhere. Uh, so I'm glad that he has a job. Not a head coaching job, but still uh, great that he's part of a coaching team and a Steelers organization uh, that made the playoffs this year. Going to go through a transition without Big Ben being there. But, uh, you know, it must be great to be uh, working with Mike Tomlin, uh, you know, a very legendary head coach and a a great organization that's always done the right thing. Yeah, yeah, it must be fantastic, first off, for him to – get an opportunity to work in the league again, because I'm sure he probably thought, Oh, I guess that's it. I'm not working in NFL anymore. So, and it was fantastic that he's able to work in the NFL again, even as his lawsuits going through. And it's funny that of course it had to be the Steelers with their black head coach, giving him the opportunity to come onto his staff and work. So yeah, there's, there's obviously synergy there, but it's I, it's a good kind of synergy because he's looking out for his uh, co-worker, for his colleague uh, in the NFL. Yeah. 
Um, one more NFL note before we move on to USC. Uh, Bengals safety Ricardo Allen announced his retirement today. Uh, 30 years old, he's walking away from the game, was able to uh, make the Super Bowl, uh, have his uh, you know, highest high in the NFL, and walking away at 30 years old. Um, quite shocking. Uh, I, I feel a bit sad when I see a guy walk away that young because I feel like at some point he's going to regret it. Uh, you know, later in life, he's going to think, well, I probably could have played a few more years. But um, yeah, this news came as quite the shock to me. It is shocking. But the, the, whenever I hear about a young man deciding to retire early from the NFL, I always think, what's what are the things that we haven't heard of? What's his medical history right yeah. like to yeah. make him have the decision to walk away from the game that he loves? Like if there's something other than for medical wise, kind of in the back, lurking in the background for him saying that if I don't do this now, I could face major, major repercussions in the future for my health. Mm-hmm. Then maybe that's why he walks away. You know, we just never know about these certain things. Um, but it's unfortunate that he has decided to walk away because it's always great watching great athletes uh, play the game of football. But if it's for the health of himself and his fa- or the betterment of his family, then it's always a good idea to walk away now. True. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I wasn't able to hear, um, you know, his reasons. Hopefully he'll have a press conference or some, you know, social media post. Uh, we can, find out exactly why uh, he's decided right now but uh, hopefully he's healthy hopefully he has a great post um, uh, NFL career and um, yeah because you know we do see some of these guys um, have a lot of troubles uh, you know when they have had injuries uh, you know especially we've heard a lot about head injuries in the last few years and and um, yeah uh, 30 years old uh, he should be able to still have a really, really great long life. Uh, hopefully he's been wise with his money and, and uh, he's, you know, used his education in a great way and um, have a good, uh, yeah, a long, long, long life. Yeah, of course. Hopefully he has his accounts in order, so to speak, and uh, has set up what he wants to do next uh, with his uh, life as he moves on from the NFL. Yeah. Um, All-Star weekend this past weekend in Cleveland. Uh, we don't have any games on the docket till Thursday. Uh, definitely want to cover a lot of that uh, after we talk about the UFC. I uh, was really uh, just absolutely uh, so thrilled to see Steph Curry have such a phenomenal game. Uh, LeBron James hitting the game-winning bucket in Cleveland, the Ohio native. And um, they brought out the top 75 players at halftime and honored them. That was uh, my that was the thrill of my weekend, seeing all those great old timers come out. And and um, yeah, but um, we have an awesome UFC card to break down. Uh, There's there was a lot of cancellations off this card. And uh, I was questioning and wondering if it was going to uh, deliver a, a great entertaining product. But um, we've, I, we saw the knockout of the year. We saw some really great debuts and a lot of fun fights to break down. I, uh, I can't wait to uh, break it down with you. Uh, how much did you enjoy this card? It was, it was pretty satisfying. There's a lot of stoppages, a lot more than I thought there would be. Like mm-hmm. I was, uh, especially the, the KO of the year that we're going to get to, but, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was quite happy with this card and yeah. how it turned out. 
I'm glad. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And, um, the, uh, the, the, the main event, uh, got dropped off. Um, it was, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against Rafael Fiziev. Fiziev had some visa issues, was not able to uh, make the trip into Vegas. Uh, so they decided to move him a, a couple or move that fight a couple of weeks. Uh, the co-main event ended up becoming the main event. And, uh, there was some worry there that, um, it just wouldn't deliver, but Jamal Hill, uh, he has probably one of the coolest nicknames when you actually see that he put somebody into the sweet dreams category and, uh, uh, just the absolute, uh, shot that, um, stiffened up, uh, Johnny Walker, put him down and then he uh, landed one more shot as he was down to absolutely KO him. Uh, this is going to be on highlight reels for probably the rest of our lives. One of the wildest looking knockouts ever. Yeah. He completely stiffened him with the most perfectly timed right straight that I've ever seen because he caught Walker coming in and decked him right on the temple and shut his lights out immediately that was an immediate ko he was out as soon as his fist hit his head and he was done yeah yeah and it was so wild that seeing him go back on his heels and that fall like a tree in the forest six foot six uh huge guy you know one of intimidating character uh it was a very good back and forth fight until that shot landed but uh jamal hill put the uh, light heavyweight division on notice and said uh you know hey i'm no joke look out for me i'm coming yeah he 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 sure did he sure did and he did that with emphasis um especially with the fact that how we lost to paul craig before he has come back with a vengeance and uh yeah i i think the other light heavyweights in the division are definitely taking notice of uh, jamal hill yeah uh there, there are a lot of fights uh, scheduled for the top of that division. Um, Glover Teixeira is uh, the champion currently after he beat Jan Blachowicz. Uh, he is fighting next uh, Yuri Prohachka, and that fight is May the 7th coming up. Um, Prohachka is absolutely a, a killer, and this is going to be uh, a heck of a fight. Really excited about, uh, about this one. Uh, then Blahovich is uh, scheduled against uh, Alexander Rakic. Blahovich is number two in a division, and Rakic is number four. And they're fighting on uh, March the 26th coming up. And then we've got Tiago Santos. He's uh, number five ranked in the light heavyweight division, and he's fighting Megamed Ankaleyev, uh, who's number eight ranked, and they're fighting um, March the 12th. So it's coming up soon. And uh, you mentioned Paul Craig, and he's got a fight against uh, Nikita Krylov. Uh, Craig is currently ranked number 10, and Krylov is ranked number 13. Uh, so after Saturday, these new rankings came out. Jamal Hill went from 12 to 11, uh, past uh, Volkan Ozdemir. Johnny Walker went from 10 down to 14 now. Uh, the only people that don't have fights currently scheduled are Dominic Reyes, Anthony Smith and Paulo Costa in the uh, light heavyweight division. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see if 
if Jamal Hill uh, gets, you know, a fight against uh, one of these guys, could be Ozdemir at 12, Reyes at 6, Smith at 7, or Polo Costa at 9, uh, moving up in weight. So, um, yeah, look, pretty exciting people ahead. Lots of exciting fights that they've already got in this light heavyweight division. Yeah, that, there's a lot of great fights to be had in this light heavyweight division. It's uh, it's a murderer's row. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing who rises to the top, who challenges again for the belt after Glover does his successful or unsuccessful defense when he fights Yuri Prohachka. So it, it's it's going to be an exciting year for the light heavyweight division. Yeah. Uh, what does Johnny Walker do from here? Uh, was that a... Uh, was that something that uh, will damage his reputation heavily? Uh, the, you know what? The division is so hard that he, once again, he's going to have to try to climb the ranks. Uh, he's going to have to prove himself once again. It's going to take him a while to, uh, for maybe he even challenges another ranked opponent. He might be fighting another unranked opponent going forward for his next fight, maybe for his next two fights. But uh He's definitely gonna. T- it's gonna take him some time to climb back up uh, the ranking tree. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, Johnny Walker did have COVID in January. Not sure if that impacted his performance. He said he was um, hit with it pretty hard, and uh, it took him a few weeks to recover. So uh, maybe the UFC gives him a little bit of a pass because of that. But um, yeah, this was a, a very statement, massive knockout. Uh, Jamal Hill immediately ran over and started yelling at Dana White and Khabib, who was sitting next to Dana White, uh, telling them, uh, look out, I'm I'm coming, I'm coming, I want this belt. Um, that was, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a KO that most of us are not going to forget for a long, long, long time. Not for a long time. It was, yeah, like, like it's, it's, he's stiffing them up. <laughs> It was it was such a it was such a destructive knockout. So it's something that will definitely be living in the memories of all of us as uh, fight fans. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, blew blew me away. That was uh, I wasn't I wasn't expecting a knockout that uh, spectacular and that uh, <laughs> that I would remember that much. It was absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, let's let's talk about a little bit about the co-main event. Uh, this was held at a catch weight. Uh, Kyle Dawkins and Jamie Pickett. Um, they um, Kyle Dawkins has had some difficulties and issues uh, getting a fight. hasn't fought for a little while, and he finally uh, was able to get in there. And uh, they fought at 195. He was the biggest betting favorite going in against Pickett, and uh, really showed that uh, his submission game is absolutely massive. Uh, Pickett, I, I would be mad because he could have just lasted one more second and he was out of that first round, but he decided to tap and uh, Dawkins ended up getting the victory. Yeah, he did. And uh, it was it was close. He almost made it out of that round. It was so close. Uh, but credit to Dawkins for putting on the pressure and going for the win. He could, he could have just held the position and waited for the next round, but he went for it, and I credit I got to give him credit for that. I got to give him credit for that because he managed to get the win when it seemed like there was no way that he was going to get that. I thought I thought Pickett was going to be able to tough it out and wait till the next round, but uh, 
that must have been one heck of a squeeze for him not to be able to make it. Yeah, it was shocking. I couldn't believe it. Uh, him and his corner must be kicking themselves now, uh, realizing a one second away from having another round. Um, the he wants to be Kyle Dawkins now wants to be known as the Darth Knight. Uh, he said he's a massive Batman fan, and uh, he said he wanted to uh, submit a guy with a Darth choke and and be called the Darth Knight. Um, do you think he adopts that nickname going in for his next fight? I like it. That, that's actually that's actually a pretty it's a pretty cool nickname that he's given himself. I, I really like that nickname. I think he should go with it. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah. Uh, he said he wants to uh, corner his brother who's fighting March the 26th. And then he would like to fight Tony Ferguson next. That was his big call out. Uh, he said, uh, please, uh, let's go, Tony. And um, I don't know if Tony will accept it, but uh, yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty massive call out. Well, isn't there a problem with that? Like, isn't Tony Ferguson like not in his weight division? Like not even close? <laughs> like, like just not, like not even close. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> what does he think he's gonna do he's just like you know what i'll come down i'll bite you at 155 yeah i know i'm normally on a 185 but i'll just drop off a leg and i'll i'll come down and fight you at 155 well, what does he do yeah, yeah dude yeah no kidding hey yeah it's funny uh yeah it's called a guy uh few weight classes <laughs> weight divisions below you but uh we'll see if he he can get down to something maybe they'll try to do a catch weight uh he <laughs> Was able to get 195 on this one. Uh, uh, can he do a catch weight at uh, 180? Or <laughs> <Let's> see, <laughs> yeah, it, it that that's, that's probably not going to happen. No, I don't think so. It's a little bit mind-boggling, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, call it who you want. <laughs> uh, okay, the the fight uh, before this one was a heavyweight battle. A couple of big boys, uh, Parker Porter. Um, he ended up winning this one as in a decision. Uh, I thought uh, Alain Boudou was uh, great in the first round. Uh, he, uh, I think he gassed, though, and Porter just kept it on him, was able to uh, grind out a, um, a two rounds to one victory, 29-28 on all three judges, and uh, get the win. What did you think of this heavyweight battle? Yeah, I, I, I basically thought that Porter was literally the busier fighter and that, like yourself, that Badu ran out of gas uh, and Porter had the better gas tank throughout the course of the fight. Um, it wasn't that great on takedowns throughout the course of the fight, but the fact that he kept trying to take him down and wear him out. And I think that's what uh, got the better of Bodo at the end of that fight where Porter was still fresh and still coming after him. And Bodo, his uh, striking frequency dipped exponentially as the rounds went on. So yeah, definitely Porter won that fight. I was, um, yeah, I was actually pretty excited to see Badeau fight. Uh, he's a teammate of Cyril Gaon. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know how great Gaon has been, how, uh, you know, he seems like, uh, you know, a freak of nature and major athleticism. I was hoping that uh, Badeau would be able to bring that type of thing. But um, the Black Samurai needs to go back to the drawing board and work on his cardio because uh, he looked good when he had uh, – Full energy, but once that started dipping, um, Porter was able to just grind out this win, like I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once once his uh, stamina was depleted, 
Porter took over and uh, imposed his will in, for the rest of the fight. Yeah. Uh, okay, this uh, fight previous to that one was the lightweight battle, and we've got a, a legendary fighter in there, a guy that's had the most fights in the UFC history, uh, tied for the most wins, most submissions. He's just going on and on and on and on. He started his pro career in 2005, 17 years in. This is 14th year in the UFC. Uh, Jim Miller. Um, and still grinding out wins, getting even got a knockout win. Uh, man, uh, it's incredible to see these guys at this uh advanced stage taking on guys that are making their UFC debut so much younger, so much hungrier. But Jim Miller is able to get another big victory, it was impressive. Yeah, he's the KG vet gets yet another knockout win, another knockout win, and caught him with a leaping right hook. I think he totally caught Moda off guard when he did, when he threw that punch. I don't think Moda was expecting that punch at all because Jim really hadn't thrown that punch throughout the entire fight up to that point. Yeah. Caught him off guard and knocked him out. It was impressive. Yeah, Super. no, it was uh, absolutely totally impressive, and he just uh, took his chance and and boom was able to do it. Uh, I've always been impressive with Jim Miller's calf kicks. He really breaks down a guy with these with these kicks and uh yeah and uh, i also loved that um he walked out to iron man iron is moda's nickname and he walked out at iron man okay i'll show you ha ha uh he's still you know feisty he's still you know really really tough and uh yeah just said hey young young guy uh look out here i come uh starting to get you know into that upper echelon where you're talking about uh the most appearances. This was his. Uh, this was his 39th fight in the UFC. Uh, he's uh, yeah, that ties him with Cowboy Cerrone. He's got um, the most finishes, uh, UFC history, tied for the most wins. He's fought on UFC 100, 200, uh, UFC 201, Fight Night 201, and he wants to fight on UFC 300. That's a big goal of his. Uh, he said he's super busy, just wrote a cookbook. He's got all these things on the go. Uh, the guy is just uh, incredible and uh, great to see uh, somebody that's being able to just keep it, keep at it, keep at it, and, and still winning, still doing great. Yep, still winning, still doing great, still upper echelon fighter. He's just an example of longevity in the sport, in a sport that's as cruel as mixed martial arts is. Uh, he's he's an example of longevity somehow some way he's got it done and continues to get it done so i hope he makes it to his uh, goal of ufc 300 because he'll possibly possibly be the only fighter to ever do anything like that ever in recorded history yeah yeah definitely um i saw this really great posting today too about the ufc's uh promotional Promotional guidelines compliance pay and Jim Miller got the highest pay for the card. Uh, they base it on how many fights that you've had in the UFC. Uh, also, they count Strike Force, WEC, some of the organizations that the UFC has absorbed. Uh, so fighters with one to three bouts receive four thousand per appearance. Four to five bouts, you get forty five hundred. Six to ten, you get six grand. 11 to 15, you earn 11,000 for your appearance. 
16 to 20 boats, you get 16,000. And 21 boats and more, you get $21,000. So he was able to collect 21K. Uh, champions earn an additional 42,000. And title challengers get 32, but there was no belts on the line on this card. Um, it was uh, a complete payout of $140,000 uh, to all the fighters. Um, on the Adesanya Whitaker card last week, 282.5 was the total payout. Uh, year to date, they've paid out a million dollars. And in 2021, $6,167,500. And the, the program's just been around a little bit longer than that, just over $7 million. So I'm going to put uh, a post up on the website of that. Uh, pretty interesting to see these compliance guidelines um, that Venom uh, is paying these fighters to yeah, show up and uh, wear their equipment, uh, have the proper code of conduct, things like that. It's pretty, it's pretty good to see these payouts and, and see it in writing here. Yeah, no, it's, it's great because this is what the fighters deserve. They deserve all of this because of uh, what they put on the line for our entertainment. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay, the fight that ended up starting off the uh, main card was uh, two amazing bangers that go in there. Two guys that just look absolutely in crazy great shape. Huge, huge, huge men in a middleweight division fight between two guys that have really emerged on the scene over the past couple of years. Joaquin Bugley and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. This one went to decision. Nobody, nobody, nobody won any money because nobody thought this was going to go to a decision. This uh, was uh, crazy. I was just like, oh, somebody's going to sleep real soon. These guys are just too powerful. But um, it, it was a hell of a fight, even though it did go to the decision. Yeah, it was. It was. I, like yourself, thought that uh, somebody was getting knocked out. Nobody did. But uh, what I was impressed by was uh, the movement of Buckley. Yeah. Uh, he was he it, he made it hard for Al Hassan to track him down throughout the entirety of that fight mm -hmm. up until the third round, until finally Al Hassan seemed to have gotten his second win, so to speak, and started utilizing his wrestling. Because by that time, Buckley had finally tired out yeah. because of all that movement he'd been doing in the first two rounds where he was clearly the winner. And he was picking them apart at distance and striking them, striking them. But, um, and also, too, wearing down Al Hassan. He, Buckley was clearly the fresher fighter for those first two rounds. And then you saw his gas tank dip quite a bit in the third round. That's why Al Hassan was able to wrestle him to the mat, wrestle him to the ground, and dominate pretty much that third round. But that was unfortunately the only round that he did dominate. That's why Buckley won the fight. Yeah. I was shocked that it went. To a split decision, because I definitely thought Buckley had those first two rounds, but Al-Hassan definitely uh, won that third round. But, um, yeah, it was an impressive performance by Buckley. Uh, he, he, he made himself so elusive, uh, great movement. And for such a big guy, uh, he's light on his feet. Uh, it's pretty in incredible. Um, and, you know, he just kept landing lots of takedowns. He wasn't keeping him down most of the time, but he was just kept – landing takedown after takedown uh, was really, really good at uh, entries and getting them down. 
he just definitely has to, you know, uh, secure a few more of those. And I think it would have been, you know, definitely a more dominating victory. But um, yeah, I, I love both these fighters. Uh, super impressive and uh, great to see them battle against each other. Uh, this was supposed to happen about a month ago. Uh, Al Hassan did get injured and got postponed, but I didn't see anything um, that I thought obviously um, an injury was cropping up for Al Hassan. I think Buckley was just better on this night. I think he was better. And like you said before, um, his takedowns were, uh, were perfectly timed, usually under duck unders or when he was ducking under a strike from Al Hassan. Or when Al, he caught Al Hassan coming forward, uh, that's, he was able to take him down. So, And I agree with you. If he's able to just to do a little bit more damage, a little bit more ground and pound uh, with his positioning when he's on the ground, that could have been a blowout win for uh, Buckley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hassan is so powerful. Uh, he landed this big bomb in the third round. Um, and luckily, Buckley was able to uh, get up and move away from it. But uh, yeah, it looked like he was in a little bit of trouble there in that third round, but um, survived and, and got the victory. Um, I mentioned this last week as we were previewing uh, lots of cancellations on this card. Um, uh, Mokayev against Durden was canceled. McKenna against Elise Reed was canceled. Uh, Ilir Latifi against Romanov. And the Dos Anjos Fiziev uh, fight was uh, postponed uh, for a few more weeks. So, um, yeah, we, we definitely had a lot of drop-offs off this card. But, um, yeah, there was still a, a hell of a lot of great fights. And the uh, feature, feature fight on the prelims was great. Uh, Gabriel Benitez against David Oyama. And, uh, man, uh, oh, sorry, Onama. And uh, Onama really didn't come out uh, like I normally see him do, uh, but uh, he quickly asserted his dominance and was able to land a, a super big power shot in Benitez and get the KO victory. Yeah, yeah, because Benitez was definitely dominating this fight yeah. up until the point that Onama decided to turn it around. He was dominating it with his uh, great leg kicks, taking out Onama's base, and he was hurting him with his uh, strikes to the body and the head. Like he was hurting Onama time and time again. Mm -hmm. Onama was able to use, utilize his wrestling and try to clear his head for a bit before he started to try to work his offense by going forward. He knew that he had to pressure Benitez by going forward because that was his best chance for victory. And he managed to do that when he landed that one flush punch and then the flurry of punches up against the cage at the end of the round, which sealed the deal i was in it was an amazing comeback amazing yeah. comeback. no it was really amazing comeback and uh he just uh pressed forward was able to land a shot put benitez a little bit leery benitez started trying to uh cover up a little bit and then i think i, I think it was dominic cruz that counted 14 straight shots that finally put him out um man it was just crisp accurate Boom, there, you know, Benitez didn't have a shot to clear his head to move. He every time he did anything, boom, he was taking another shot. And Onama really showed that he's got severe power. Oh, yeah, he's got sincere power for sure. And it is 
it is no joke. And he his his combinations that he threw at the end of that fight, it was a 14 punch combination that finally put on put Benitez down. So that's impressive in and of itself. Great win by Onama. Another a great African fighter uh, born in Uganda. Uh, he's um, He came here, uh, spent a few years in Kansas City. Now he's part of the Glory MMA group. James Krause is the um, head coach there. Uh, he got 50K bonus for that. Uh, I failed to mention that uh, Jamal Hill and Kyle Dawkins also got 50K bonuses for their, um, for their big wins. Uh, Benitez, uh, was 148. He never, he didn't make weight. He missed it by two pounds. He forfeited 20% of his purse. Uh, not sure why. Um, I was expecting a lot of things out of Benitez, uh, especially now that he has Kane Velasquez as his head coach. Uh, Kane had said a lot of amazing things about, um, Mowgli before the battle. Uh, he said he's probably the best kicker they have in uh in in their camp uh was pretty shocked to hear that out of aka this that benitez uh, according to kane has the best kicks in the whole camp yeah i was surprised to hear that too because like that camp has luke rocco and he's definitely known for his kicks so benitez being a powerful kicker that he was and you could tell in the fight that he wasn't hurting onama with those kicks yeah. His kicks were being a very, very effective, but unfortunately, this was uh, clearly not his night. <laughs> no, it didn't turn out to be. Uh, okay, I mentioned 50Ks for those three guys. Uh, another 50K goes to Stephanie Egger for her submission victory over Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, she got a, her down through with a judo throw, was able to uh, transition to some submission attempts and finally get the arm bar tap submission and got 50k for a bon uh, for her troubles and uh, this was a big upset most people had Jessica Rose Clark winning this quite easy but uh, Stephanie Ager said no way uh, I'm doing this showed off her great ju judo skills uh, harken back to kind of the way Ronda Rousey always won her fights yeah it was it was it seemed like that's exactly what it was it was a great example of how she won her fights all the time I thought Rose Clark would uh, outstrength her opponent in this fight. Yeah. And that definitely is not what happened. I did not realize that Egger's uh, technique was flawless. Yeah. Like her, her transition from the judo throw to just uh, to the arm bar submission was, was perfect. It was perfect. Like uh, she, she did everything absolutely correct to get that and didn't actually have to use any strength. It was all technique. All yeah. of it. No, it was awesome. She had she had her in a bit of a scarf choke, and then was able to transition and and force the tap with the armbar. Um, yeah, um, you're right. Jessica Rose Clark usually outpowers her opponents. She's a former power lifter. She's had problems cutting weight and getting down to that bantamweight uh, limit at 135. But um, yeah, this one, Ager uh, said, uh, "Hey, I'm gonna." Show you my black belt in judo uh, has a lot of meaning and and uh, take that arm and uh, make sure that she's not getting out of it. It was it was great. And uh, yeah, good honor. Uh, seven and two record. Look out for Stephanie Egger, uh, that woman's bantamweight division. Uh, yeah, the, everyone's put on notice now. Uh, do not clinch with her because uh, she's going to be able to probably take take your arm, uh, get a good submission win. 
okay, the featherweight fight between Chaz Skelly and Mark Stragle had a lot of meaning because Chaz Skelly has decided that uh, this would be his last fight. Uh, he didn't close the door 100%, but he said he's moving on to a second career. He's, uh, his body's not responding like he uh, wants it to. He's had some injury troubles, hasn't had a lot of fights in the past few years. Um, but, um, yeah, what a way to go out uh, if he gets a uh, – if this is his last fight, got a nice big knockout in the second round. Uh, I, I was very impressed with Chaz Skelly on this night. I, I was too. And it's unfortunate that he actually has to – uh, call it uh, call it a career for his MMA fighting uh, profession because he's got a great record. It's nineteen yeah. and three. Yeah. Like that, that's a really really good record, strong yeah. record. But I understand what he's saying. If his body's not rebounding from the incredible amount of wear and tear that you have to take through the training and everything else, then it's probably a good idea for you to step away at this point in time. But the one thing that struck me <laughs> in this particular fight was just how much bigger Skelly looked. Than his opponent, yeah, he looked like a he looked like a monster compared to Striegel. He really did. He was just such a bigger man, and I thought he would use that uh, that 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 massive uh, size to his advantage, which is what he did. Was he just grinded on Striegel, wrestled him, and then eventually in the second was able to land that beautiful knee, which was the beginning of the end for Striegel, and then grounded pound for the finish. Yeah, he uh, he definitely had lethal knees, and that that. Um, once that knee landed, uh, dropped, dropped Striegel and then ground and pound. Um, uh, Keith Peterson stopped it. Uh, yeah, 19 and three, and you're walking away. That's uh, pretty crazy. But uh, he uh, shouted out his new roofing company that he's a part of. And Paul Felder said, Hey, I need a roof. Uh, put a roof on my house. So uh, he's got a customer immediately. Uh, even just the the second that he retired, he's already got a customer. So good on him. A uh, lot of impressive performances by Chess Kelly. Uh, this scrapper, he has been in a heck of a lot of really good battles. And it's a bit sad to see him go. But, um, yeah, if he's already got a, a second career all set up, uh, good on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he's, he's It sounds like he's ready to go on to his next part of his life, next part of his career and uh, leave the fighting behind him. Uh, so good luck to Chad Skelly. It was, uh, it was an honor just watching fight in the UFC. Yeah, good luck, Chaz. Yeah, good for you. Uh, okay, uh, I don't have a ton to talk about with the women's strawweight fight between Gloria DePaula and Diana Belbita. Um, they just seemed to throw a lot. Both of them were very busy. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was just very even fight that I, I wasn't, I didn't love it, but um, yeah, uh, DePaula ended up getting the decision. Do you have much to add to it? Uh, no, I don't. Just the fact that it was entertaining in the fact that uh, they fought in a phone booth pretty much yeah. for the three rounds. Uh, neither woman really backed up any throughout yeah. the course of that fight, which I was impressed by. I, I was impressed by the fact that uh, they were willing to trade and exchange and, uh, impose their will on each other. It was a very close fight, but uh, I, I gave the edge to the Paula at the end. Yeah. Uh, Belbita, uh, originally from Romania. Uh, she's um, spent a lot of years in Ontario. She's from a town called Stony Creek, Ontario. So she had a Romanian flag and a Canadian flagged 
sewed together and uh, was behind her in the cage. Good to see a Canadian there. And uh, yeah, I, I thought she fought great. Uh, but yeah, I thought DePaula was just a little bit better on this night. And uh, it's great to see Canadians in there. Um, yeah, great to see that she's representing the country well. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't hang... You shouldn't hang your head uh, over this fight. Uh, you, you, you fought a great fight, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing her again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her again, too. Again, it was a very, very close fight, and she has nothing to be ashamed of, and hopefully she can get the W in her next one. Love to talk about the uh, bantamweight fight between uh, the debut of Chad L. Anhelger and uh, Jesse Strader. Uh, Chad is a Canadian as well. He came in and uh, put on an, a phenomenal performance. I thought uh, Jesse Strader actually was great in the first round, but um, the monster uh, was able to come out and get this uh, massive, massive KO. Great victory. Uh, I, I, I love seeing this Canadian come in. 35 years old, making his UFC debut. Uh, the other thing that blows me away is he started his, his career two and five, and now he's won 10 in a row. Uh, he got himself into the UFC. And uh, for the debut, uh, it went really, really well. Yeah, it couldn't have, he couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, he fought a tough opponent. Uh, basically tired him out after the first round. Strader was still game. I, I will say this throughout the course of that fight. I thought he mixed up his striking very well. But Ann Halger, I thought one of his best strikes that he threw throughout the course of that fight was throwing knees right up the middle. His knees were deadly and we were very, very effective. And then finally in the third, where he hit him with those two huge right hooks that dropped straighter and then finished him with a ground and pound near the end of the third round. It was a great, great win by our Canadian and Hal and Yeah, I loved it. Um, he's, he's finished uh, 10 of his 12 wins with seven knockouts, uh, awarded a contract in the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, he fights out of Calgary. Uh, he's actually originally from Kelowna, uh, but uh, fights out of Calgary. Brian Bird is his main coach. They, uh, they have a gym there called Champions Creed. Um, he, when he joined that gym, as I said, he was two and five. And the coaches said, you know, we've got to completely break you down and build you back up. We, we need to break some of these bad habits that you've got. And uh, we're going to uh, spend you know some time trying to, to get you to the point we, we think you, you need to be. Uh, so he didn't fight for two years. He started fighting with white belts back to the grassroots, uh, was able to put his ego aside, uh, be humble, and, and uh, 10 wins in a row. Uh, super great. And uh, yeah, he must be over the moon making his USC debut finally and getting the massive win. Um, I'm super excited to, to see him. I hope he gets an opportunity to fight very soon. Yeah, I, I, I look forward to seeing that. And that's a, just a great story. It's a great story of perseverance and knowing what you need as opposed to what you think you need. Yeah. You know, like it's because he, he needed to strip down his complete, all his tools that he brought to the octagon and just do a, re, a complete reassessment. So, and once he did that, now he has all the, he's getting all the wins that he's ever wanted. And it's now led him to get into the UFC. So 
when they uh, when they did the tail of the tape i was a little concerned uh straighter had a five and a half inch reach advantage which is you know very big with the with the arms as well as the legs uh i thought straighter would be able to utilize that advantage uh and helger is a small guy short arms uh but he used uh his you know proper tactics was able to get in there and uh yeah and get the big win uh yes i i th this probably was one of my favorite things to see because I love seeing a guy that's um, faced some adversity, uh, kept at it, and uh, yeah, he's in there now. Uh, yeah, look out, uh, bantamweight division. I think uh, you've got a new contender coming up. Yeah, there's a, definitely a new sheriff in town, and it's great to see that it's a Canadian. Yeah. Um, do you want to mention any of the other fights? Um, there, there wasn't uh, much on the early prelims uh, to talk about. I don't think a couple of decisions to start off the card. Um, should we move on? Yes, let's, show, let's move on. Let's move okay. on for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I heard a really great interview, Ariel Hawani and Bobby Green today. Uh, they, they've had some issues in the past, and uh, Bobby Green told him why he hadn't been uh, talking to him for a really long time. Uh, but uh, once they finally got that out of the way, uh, Bobby Green talked about um, him accepting a fight two weeks after uh, being in the octagon. And uh, he's fighting one of the scariest guys uh, in their division, Islam Makachev. It's going to be a catchweight fight because Bobby Green had went from uh, 155 to 195. He had put on... Uh, or no, is it 145 they, they fight it? Uh, he had put on like 40, 50 pounds uh, immediately. And uh, he said he's dropped uh, something like 40 pounds in the past three days. And, and uh, he's, he's trying to fight this guy. He's called everybody else in the division a bunch of pussies because uh, <laughs> they wouldn't accept the fight. And uh, he said, no, I'm taking this as a great opportunity and I can't wait. Uh, main event coming up uh, next Saturday. Uh, I'm excited. I love I love Bobby Green. Uh, I think maybe he bit off a little more than he can chew with Makachev and uh, being on short notice like this. But but good on him. Uh, he's willing to to get in there and help the UFC make sure this fight happens. He's he's brave. He's incredibly brave to take this fight on because that guy is uh, he he's he's the monster lurking in the dark. That's what Islam Makachev is for that division. And I give Bobby Green a lot of credit in the world, but, man, he's going to be in it tough, and I believe he knows that. I, the other question is, how did he put on that much weight in that short amount of time? He was just in the octagon. Like, he was just there. Yeah. Like, how did he do that? Like, has he just been eating barbecue the entire time, I just like just barbecue, like steaks. <laughs> he Lots. said he said he's addicted to sushi, and he went all you could eat sushi for days. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, putting like fifty pounds on, uh, yeah, within a week, uh, that's pretty nutty. He said he's a big guy. He walks around at at that kind of weight all the time. He's always been a big guy and has to drop a lot of weight, but. Um, yeah, he, uh, he said he's, uh, he's going to do it. They're making it at a catch weight. Uh, so he doesn't have to get quite down to it, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, good on him. Uh, 
this this is a killer. This is the guy that's uh, you know destined for you know maybe the top of the division, maybe uh, holding the belt at some point. And uh, yeah, Bobby's like, no, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm I'm in there. Let's do this. Yes, again, he's extremely brave. He's extremely yeah. brave. But I, I I expect him to come out, and I expect this to actually be a very good fight. I really do. Uh, even with the fact that Makachev is just a scary, scary individual, I think Bobby Green will be bringing his best, regardless of uh, the weight cutting. Yeah, well, you and I love watching him fight. He's got such an entertaining style. Uh, maybe that's a style that gives Makachev a little bit of trouble because uh, it's so unorthodox and, and difficult. Uh, when a guy holds his hands down as low as Bobby Green, I think it's it's – very hard to take a guy like that down because he's constantly ready. He's ready for the takedowns. He's got the ability to get the underhooks, get the ability to push off, um, keep the guy at distance a little bit. Um, he might be one of the you know toughest guys to take down because he never keeps his hands up. He keeps them all the way down. Yeah, that's true. He, he, he is ready for the takedown. And it's going to be interesting to see how Makachev adjusts to that and how he possibly change his takedowns he try he may try one to change it into something else to change it into something else just to try to get bobby to the bobby down to the to the mat but once he gets him there then he has to keep him there and bobby's been shown to be very good at popping right back up immediately after being taken down true yeah uh the co-main event has canadian misha sirkinov uh, fighting wellington Terman. Uh, Serkinov, uh, has lost his last two fights. His last victory is against Jimmy Crute, uh, going back to September of 2019. Um, he's kind of had hit and miss in the last little while. Uh, what do you think we're going to see in this one? Uh, this could be, this could well turn into a grappling match. Uh, I think Terman knows that his best chance of winning this fight will be on the mat. And I, I think this is going to be a grappling heavy Heavy match. Uh, don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be very close, but I think, yeah, we'll be seeing a ton of grappling for this particular matchup. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, any other fights that you want to um, mention uh, on the card? Uh, just that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this guy fight again uh, at the beginning of the card, the Gregory Rodriguez against Armin Petrosian. Uh, I liked Rodriguez when I first saw him. Uh, it seems like he has a ton of upside and a ton of power. So I want to see how he does against uh, Petruzian in this fight. I'm very interested in this fight. Yeah, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to this card coming up, but I'm really excited about UC 272. We're just less than two weeks away. We've got Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, former training partners, former friends. Uh, who really dislike each other. It's going to be a great uh, war of words. Uh, embedded are going to be fun to watch. The weigh-ins are going to be great. Uh, these two really don't like each other. And uh, this is going to be a heck of a war. It, it's going to be a heck of a war. They really, truly do not like each other. Like there's real animosity, real hatred. So it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be a great main event. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited to see how it all plays out. And also to the co-main event, for the main event that we missed this time will Sweet, be yeah. on this particular fight card. And you couldn't have a better co-main event. I um, This is the fight that I've marked that I'm definitely looking forward to watching. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm chomping at the bit. I wish it was this weekend, but uh, yeah, a couple of weeks, less than two weeks away. And there's an amazing amount of great fighters on this card. Edson Barbosa, Bryce Mitchell, Kevin Holland fights uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, we've got Greg Hardy and Sergey Spivak fighting a heavyweight battle. Um, yeah, on and on and on. There's some really good, good, good fighters on this card. And uh, we've, yeah, uh, this is going to be, uh, incredible to watch uh, UFC 272. Yeah, I look forward to it. It's uh, going to be another great night of fights, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a watcher for sure. Yeah, um, just a couple of UFC notes before we move on. Um, there's been uh, announcement of the next Eagle FC battle. Uh, the main event will be Kevin Lee fighting Diego Sanchez. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov was a uh, cage side for this one. And uh, he's putting together this battle between uh, Diego and Kevin Lee, uh, two former UFC guys that have just recently got cut. Um, that's who he's targeting right now. But I expect uh, we're going to see some amazing cards put together by this Eagle FC promotion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Yeah. He's, Obviously, Khabib is very familiar with all the fighters, whether it be in the UFC organization or other organizations. And I have a feeling that, uh, not a feeling, I, I think it's going to have to be a must, that Khabib is going to be treating his fighters well, that whoever fights for his promotion. Nice. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all comes about, how it looks like, and uh, how the fights are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh... I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I think this is going to be one of the best promotions out there and um, lots of, lots of impressive. Um, yeah. Lots of impressive fighters. I'm sure uh, Khabib's going to be able to convince to come over there. Um, he's always been very professional and uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a rival league eventually to the UFC, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's just a matter of time, just a matter of time. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about the NBA. We had a phenomenal weekend. Uh, All-star festivities were, were really great to, in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland has put on the All-star game at uh, the 35th year of the NBA, the 50th year of the NBA, and the 75th year of the NBA. Not sure why the NBA has decided to have those three legendary years um, there, but uh, the 50th had the, the top 50 players in the NBA history. Uh, this one, they invited the top 75 players in NBA history. And that 50th, at the time, there was only one uh, person that had passed away out of that uh, top 50 list. That was Pistol Pete Maravich. Uh, this time, there was quite a few um, of the legends that were gone. Uh, so sad to see, but uh, 11 active players are on that list. Most of them showed up for this. And uh, it was great to see. Uh, those top 75 players come in. I got a bit emotional. A lot of the guys said they did as well. Uh, you know, it was uh, incredible. The uh, a rousing ovation that uh, Michael Jordan got uh, when they mentioned Kobe Bryant, things like that. Uh, it was, to me, the best part of the All-Star weekend. Yeah, by far and away for myself, that was the best part of the All-Star weekend was just to see the commemoration of all of the best 75, just, just to see 
all the generations being rep represented of all the basketball royalty, basically all the guys that are the best of the best. It was uh, saddening to see so many that have passed away, but uh, well, that's something that we're going to have to get used to with the march of time. But uh, it was also too, it was awesome to see um, some of the guys that are still playing in the league that are now considered to be part of that uh, top 75. Um, yeah, I, 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 I certainly enjoyed it. I loved seeing the old and the new guys together in that 75. Um, there was there's so many guys that are in that 75 that I loved watching as a kid. Gary Payton, the glove with his defense, Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight film, you know, with those incredible dunks. It, yeah, it was awesome. Awesome to see. I'm going to pull up the list uh, so our viewers on YouTube uh, can see it. Uh, and on their website, uh, you can stop it and, and go through the list. Uh, pretty impressive list. Uh, starts with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ray Allen, Giannis, down and down and down. It's it's not categorized anyway. Uh, it's just, oh, maybe, oh, oh, yes, it is alphabetically here categorized. Um, but um, yeah, as I said, 11 active players. We've got LeBron, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis, uh, Kevin Durant, and Damian Lillard are all active. And um, a lot, but a lot of these legends are. Uh, past their pro uh, past their career, but uh, yeah, I'm glad they're still um, yeah recognized. And it was great to see so many of them come out. Uh, I was a little bit uh, a little bit disappointed though that they didn't have chairs for the guys. The only guy that had a chair was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, you know they were expecting them to stand for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It it, it just lasted a really long time and. Some of these guys are, you know, in their 70s, maybe even late older. And uh, I was like, come on, guys. Uh, you know, they should have all had chairs and the ability to sit down. Uh, you know, they they put their bodies through a heck of a lot. And to, for only one chair to be there for cream, it was a little bit weird. It was a little bit weird. He was like, OK, how about this? Get all the old guys a chair and then the young guys can stand. That's what I would have seen. That's yeah. what I was expecting to see. I wasn't just expecting Kareem to have a chair and that's it. I love the fact that Shaq was the one that pulled out the chair and made sure that Kareem was sitting down. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, man, like I was just like, no, 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 guys, you have to have chairs for those older hoopers, man, for the, our older generation. The young guys can stand. They can do that. But the old guys should get a chair. Yeah. Uh, were you shocked at the uh, ovation that Michael Jordan got? No. Why would no come on man? Why would I be shocked at that? No, like well, he he killed Cleveland so often in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they booed Steph Curry because of he him beating them in the playoffs. Uh I guess they've just forgiven him and forgot about that, I guess. No, I don't think they forgot. I don't think they'll ever forget. It's it's too traumatic. But the the thing is he doesn't play anymore, he's retired now. So yeah. it's just like let's let's let bygones be bygones. Yeah, you killed us. All the time, Michael. But who didn't he kill? Right? True. Hey, who didn't he kill? That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I noticed was uh, when Ray Allen came out, uh, he started shaking hands with some of the guys and immediately got snubbed by Kevin Garnett. I uh, can't believe that feud is still going. 
Uh, Garnett was just like, no, I'm not looking at you. Not even going to acknowledge your presence. Uh, there was a picture taken with all the old Celtics and those new generation of Celtics. And Ray Allen was not in the picture, was not invited. Uh, I can't believe they're still holding that grudge that he decided to go to Miami and win a championship or two there at the end of his career. And uh, KG is not forgiving him for it. No, no. KG is one of those cats. He's one of those guys. He'll never forgive him. That's just that's just the thing. There will never be a reconciliation between those two. It will never happen. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. It kind of sucks, but that's their choice. That's KG's choice. I saw that Paul Pierce was able, he gave Ray Allen a bit of a nod. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't as warm as it could be, but at least it was something as opposed to KG's nothing, <laughs> which will always be a thing. He will give that man nothing. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, because, you know, that was such a legendary year and great championship for the Celtics. And those three together were, you know, one of those first teams that just, you know, were able to assemble three absolute greats. And, you know, you'd think that uh, it would be water under the bridge, you know, just, uh, you know, Garnett left Minnesota to go to be a super team with their uh, Ray Allen decides to leave Boston and go to Miami and create a bit of a super team there. And, but uh, Garnett has not forgiven him yet. No, no. And he never will. He never will. Like, I, who knows what else was said behind the scenes, but it was pretty evident that once Ray turned his back on KG, KG would never, ever, ever forgive him. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit sad, uh, yeah, the mention, mentioning of Kobe Bryant, that he wasn't there. He definitely you know, should be there and was sorely missed. I was glad to see there are two trophies now uh, named after Kobe Bryant. Um, one went to the All-Star MVP, Steph Curry. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, another one, a humanitarian award. Uh, went to Chris Paul and all his work um, for the WNBA and, and off-court things. Um, great to see him honored that way. Great to see some of his family there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could tell he was sorely missed. Yeah, of course, he was sorely missed. He, he's one of the greats, one of the greatest. And uh, it was just unfortunate that he was uh, taken from the basketball world all too soon. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to the, the game. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, one of those all-star games where you're like, okay, no defense. Uh, you know, we're going to see some great dunks. We're going to see some, you know, fun plays, but, uh, no fouls, no defense. Uh, you know, probably in the 180 to 181 kind of range. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, out comes Steph Curry, and he started electrifying the audience. He got thoroughly booed early, uh, but they were cheering him loudly as he just showed his absolute incredible sharp shooting skills and just obliterated the three-point record, put up 50 points, 16 three-pointers, and he made that game so fun to watch. He showed why he's the best shooter that anybody has ever seen in the league, period. <laughs> he showed that that night. I couldn't believe it when he had already had eight threes and it didn't seem like the game had even started. 
Like it was just like, didn't the game just start? He already has eight threes. That's impressive. Finishes with 16 threes. <laughs> 16 threes. Oh. And he's supposedly kind of going through a shooting slump. Yeah, maybe that, I think that's gonna help him. I think that's <laughs> gonna help him going forward for the rest of the for the rest of the year. Like it was it was ridiculous. Like he hit from everywhere and anywhere. It didn't matter. If, if he's behind the three-point line, he's going to make it. Yeah, I was super impressed. Yeah. I'm wearing, I'm wearing the Steph Curry shirt in, in his honor today. He he just uh, – it was so fun to watch. And and as he got up there, you know, you, you saw that Anthony Davis had the record for 52 points and set in 2017, and you thought, just got to hit one more, and he's he's got it. Uh, he hit one floater that, that got, gave him the 50. And uh, he had a few opportunities at that three-pointer, and I thought it was just going to be he's going to nail this three, and, and they're going to get to 163 and win this game. But it turned out pretty cool because LeBron was able to get uh, his winning shot in Cleveland, hometown, uh, kind of poetic justice to uh, be the final shot of the game. And, and uh, LeBron was, you know, widely cheered. Uh, there, you know, obviously are still some people upset at him there for leaving, but um, I think they still love him there. Uh, and and it was kind of cool to see him get the winning shot. Yeah, because he, he's a he's a Cleveland guy. He's always going to be a Cleveland guy. It doesn't matter where he ends up traveling to or playing to. He will always be uh, a Cleveland native. Yeah. So it was awesome to see that he had the opportunity to win the game on the final shot. And LeBron just did what he's always done. He hit the final shot and he won the game. Yeah. He was awesome. Yeah, he was he was great in that game. Uh, a lot of amazing, uh, a lot of amazing dunks and a lot of amazing shots. And um, that was a fun team. I actually, when I looked at both teams, I, I thought, yeah, I actually love uh, the, this team that's been assembled, Team LeBron. I was cheering for them a bit. And uh, without... Kevin Durant there, who was, it was Team Durant against Team LeBron. Um, I thought uh, LeBron was probably going to pull out the victory. But, um, yeah, it was uh, fun. Uh, most All-Star games, to me, they're not that great. Uh, I think it took to, you know, almost, I think it was in the fourth quarter when they finally had one foul. I think there was about five <laughs> fouls given in the whole game, maybe about three trips to the line. Uh, so, you know, to me, it's, it's a poor representative of how basketball should be played and, and, you know, how it's a lot more enjoyable when there's defense, but uh, watching Steph Curry, just, I was glad I tuned in and watched it. Yeah. Yeah. So was I. And also too, like nowadays the all-star game is just about the sheer entertainment. Yes. You're never going to see defense again. This, this is gone are the days where the all-star game actually started being played seriously because Michael Jordan was there. And he's going to win no matter what. Yeah. Didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was, was a mean-nothing game. He's yeah. going to win. And so that intensity always seemed to flame out to everybody else. And right. then that's when they were just like, oh, oh, Mike wants to play for real? Okay, then we're going to play for real. All right? Yeah. But nowadays, it's just about the dunks, the alley-oops, the fast breaks, and the threes. Yeah. And some cool passes. Throw in some sprinkling on some cool passes. You got yourself an all-star game with no defense. All right. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, okay, why don't we talk a little bit about the all-star Saturday night? Um, 
most people uh, are saying that uh, the best part of the whole night was the three-point shooting contest uh, because the dunk contest was a really, really big dud. It was bad. There was so many attempts at dunks that they couldn't make, and they got another chance and another chance and another chance. They were trying to up the creativity and get these spectacular dunks in. Oh man, it was it was really tough to keep watching. Uh, this was uh, yeah, this was the worst dunk contest I think they've ever had, and and uh, I think there might be some changes to it because of this. There should be. It was very good. Yeah. Okay. That I, I literally that's all I got. <laughs> like yeah. it just it just wasn't very good. Like you had a bunch of guys in there, like Juan Toscano, Andrew, like like it's just a bunch of dudes that you're just like, well, who's that again? That uh, Obi Toppin. Oh, okay, all right, that's yeah. cool, I guess. And and not that Obi Toppin was a good dunker. He won, and but and he was good. Like, but it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't on the realm of Vince Carter. It, like it was, it's just it's not that anymore. I guess you yeah. just we're just not going to see that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, okay, but. I, I yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think they should incentivize it somehow. Get some of the stars in there. You know, love to see a guy like John Morant. You love to see you know some of these spectacular young players in there. Uh, I think they should be putting some money on the line. There was a lot of money raised for charity uh, for the um, the actual game on Sunday. I don't see why uh, you know they can't get some sponsorship and put some money on the line and these, you know, we might see some better talent and uh, you know, some guys that are going to, you know, put on a show. I also heard today that um, maybe they'll invite just regular Joes and they'll come in and they'll be able to come in and put on a, an amazing show. Cause we, we get viral videos all the time of these younger guys uh, putting on crazy dunk shows uh, at playgrounds around the world. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think uh, they're going to have to change it up because uh, that was uh, really, really tough to watch. Yeah, it was really tough to watch. And now, as you just said, as you just pointed out, we do have professional dunkers. So if your NBA guys can't do more incredible dunks than what we already see on YouTube, it loses a lot of steam, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. does. Because you're just like, well, I've seen a version of that dunk done way better than what that NBA guy can do. <laughs> Yeah, which is not it's, it's not a it's not a good look. Just not a good look. Yeah, and uh, and I also noticed that uh, Cole Anthony hurt his thumb, uh, jammed it on one of the dunk attempts, and uh, you know the NBA owners uh, and general managers and you know people that run these teams they don't want these guys getting hurt uh, just doing you know some crazy maneuvers. Um, I, I kind of I was definitely myself cheering for Cole Anthony. A uh, big fan of Greg Anthony as he was a longtime Grizzly and got to know him quite, quite well when he was here. Amazing to see, you know, these guys, kids in the league now. And uh, it was kind of cool when he put on the Tims and, you know, was trying to do a throwback kind of a, a move. But, um, yeah, it, it fell flat for sure. And it usually hasn't. It's usually been able to deliver a lot of great mo uh, moments, but uh, not on this weekend for sure. No, I just, yeah, flat is a good descriptor of how this particular dunk contest was. It was flat, and it, yeah, it just didn't add anything to All Star Weekend. 
like at all. In fact, it probably took away something. Yeah, yeah. I I did love the uh, three point shootout. Uh, it was fun. A uh, lot of great um, guys that were in this competition. Uh, but Carl uh, Anthony Towns uh, said, "You know, I'm the best big man long ball shooter in league history, and I'm going to prove it." Uh, and and he was able to take the victory. Uh, getting 29 points in the, the second round after they had eliminated a bunch of the other guys. Um, uh, he was the actual underdog going into all of it. Uh, he was the guy with the longest odds to win it. Uh, I was kind of surprised that um, he pulled it off after all these young guards and uh, hot shot shooters were included, but Carl uh, Anthony Towns was the champ. Yeah, he was the champ. I'm just going to say this. Got lucky, though, because, like, two guys weren't in there that could probably beat him. One is Clay, and one is Steph. But Steph already did his thing for 16 threes in a game. So, you know, whatever. (laughs) But I'll I'll give Carl Anthony Towns this. He's one heck of a shooter when it comes to long distance for a big man. Because I'm trying to go through my brain. He may be the first big man to win the three-point competition. Yeah. Unless Dirk Nowitzki won it one one year, which I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I think he may be the first. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, I did enjoy the skills competition, and I thought they did a really neat uh, way of of including the teams. They had the team rookies, which was Scotty Barnes for the Toronto Raptors, Cade Cunningham from the Detroit Pistons, and Josh Giddy from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, then they had team Cavs. Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, the hometown Cavaliers team. And then they had the three Antetokounmpo's, uh, which was pretty neat. Uh, I was kind of cool that they uh, decided to put these three teams together. And um, I was I was entertained. I was impressed. And uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was extremely entertaining. And I love the fact that there's three Antetokounmpo's. I, you know what? I kind of wish... They had put the three hundred compus in there and the three holidays in there. Ah. And that would have been that would have been pretty sweet. That'd because be like yeah, yeah. it would have been super neat, right? Because yeah. like how many times in league history have you had three brothers, two sets of three brothers in the league? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's ever happened before, to be honest yeah, with that you. Was, yeah, yeah. Good, good call. Uh, yeah, hopefully they can pull that off next year. But um, that was fun. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of fun aspects of, of the weekend. Uh, I definitely know that um, Chris Paul's broken thumb was probably one of the biggest stories about the upcoming second half, though. Everybody was pretty shocked to hear that he's going to be out four to six weeks with a broken thumb. And um, Phoenix had raced out to the best record in the NBA, you know, on the heels of their final run last year. Uh, they do have a six and a half game lead over the Warriors currently, but uh, this is a huge blow for them. And uh, he might not even be up to game speed by the time he recovers fully and the playoffs will be starting right around the time he comes back. It sucks. Uh, the timing for this injury is absolutely horrible, but I think Phoenix is strong enough team that they can weather the storm without him for this four his six week span. And uh, hopefully by the time he does come back, he'll have some time to 
properly get himself back into game shape or as much as he can. But he's a veteran. He's been here before. I have utmost confidence that he'll still be able to do Chris Paul type things, even in the playoffs once he comes back. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix did win uh, four games that Chris Paul was not part of last year. They won two games in the playoffs that he he wasn't able to suit up for. So uh, they have had a few games where he, he wasn't there, but um, yeah, this is a big, big, massive blow. And um, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know what, uh, yeah, what to expect from them, but uh, this will give um, Golden State an opportunity to catch them in the standings. Uh, they only have to win half of their games, and they're still going to win 60. So that's uh, that's how good of a start they had. Uh, so, yeah, they're still going to be in the upper echelon, probably one or two uh, by its, when it's all said and done. Um, the other move that was made over the All-Star weekend was Goran Dragic. Uh, signed with the Brooklyn Nets and uh, provides some backup for them. Uh, I think this was a hell of a great move. Uh, he didn't get any opportunity in Toronto, but um, this is a really good player. Uh, he played with Steve Nash in Phoenix, knows some of the guys that are on that team, and um, I think uh, it was brilliant bringing him in. It's a smart move because he's a really good player. He's always been a really good player. He just What he brought to the table just didn't match what uh, the Raptors wanted to do with their team at that point in time. doesn't mean that he wasn't a good player. doesn't mean that he didn't deserve to be on the court. He's a yeah. very good player. So I think that just makes uh, the Nets that much better. And uh, hopefully uh, their savior, KD, can come back uh, sooner than later from his injury because yeah. it's pretty clear they need him to win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Uh I want to mention uh, something in the basketball world. Uh, Juwan Howard got himself into trouble over the weekend. Uh, they, um, Michigan was playing against Wisconsin. They uh, finished the game and they went to do a post-game handshake. Uh, some words were exchanged, a little bit of a shove or two. And then all of a sudden, uh, Juwan Howard kind of lost it, uh, you know, partially punched a guy, but, you know, sort of more of a, a push. Uh, he's been suspended for the rest of the season. Um, their team has been fined $40,000. And um, this is definitely a, a bad look on a guy that was receiving a ton of praise for him coming in and rejuvenating this Michigan program, going back to his former alma mater. And uh, yeah, this was, this was uh, tough to see, tough to watch. And, and has um, call, had many people call for a stop to these post-game uh, handshakes. Uh, maybe this is a time of the past and uh, we should just um, go to our separate locker rooms. And uh, even, uh, you know, because some guys, you know, don't take losing very well. And uh, obviously, Juwan was one of these guys. I, I'm still curious on what was said. Yeah. That just literally set him off on a road where he knows better, you know, not to do that. You're, you're, you're supposed to be setting an example for these young men, but instead what you do is I'm throwing down right now. Let's do this. Like, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. You can't do that. And, and you know what, you know what it actually reminded me of, unfortunately, as unfortunate the incident was, it reminded me of the malice in the palace. 
Wow. That that's what it reminded me of. Because all of a sudden it just blew up into a thing. And it was just a huge Donnie Brook. That's what it looked like to me. Like where I'm like, what is this? A movie? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that what they're doing right now? Like it was it was crazy. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't do yeah. that. But at the same time, I think the tradition of shaking hands after the game, I think that's that's something that should stay. I think that's like just that's just sportsmanship. That's yeah. sportsmanship one on one. And if you can't shake hands with the team that you've just gone to war with, then there's, I think there's something wrong with that. Yeah. I think there's something very wrong with that. Yeah. Good call. I, I, I like the handshakes uh, after games. I've always liked it when they do it in hockey after a series. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, I, I, I do like the sportsmanship aspect of it. And um, yeah, it was um, quite shocking. Pretty surprising. Uh, the school has been the one that suspended him for the rest of the year. And uh, the $40,000 fine is the largest in conference history ever. Um, he has apologized and he um, has a big statement. I'm going to place a link onto our website so you can take a look, but um, yeah, this is an unfortunate incident and, and hopefully he'll learn from this and we won't see anything like this. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. We won't see anything like this from any other coaches, any other players, uh, you know, you got to accept a loss and uh, yeah, but I do wonder what was said, how uh, it, it really started, uh, and why it was um, quite shocking. I was quite surprised by it all. Yeah, so was I, especially when I saw the highlights. And I'm like, wait, is that, is that Jawan Howard? Is he throwing punches? Oh, okay, right on. <laughs> no, no, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I was, it was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah. And again, he should know better. He knows better. And hopefully uh, going forward, Every coach doing college basketball has to know they got to restrain themselves. He can't do that. He just can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, uh, this was fun as always. Uh, great to break down the, the USC and the NBA all-star weekend with you. I'm looking forward to games getting back going. Uh, we, we've got Thursday games. So we've got three, uh, two more days this week where we've got no games, but I had a nice long uh, family day weekend. Uh, really great to, to spend it with you at the end. And uh, I guess looking forward to seeing you sometime tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We'll see each other sometime tomorrow. But, uh, you know, probably both of us are going to be going to bed super early because we got to get up super early. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, have a great dinner. Have a good sleep. And, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be in bed early for sure. It's a early wake-up call tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, very early wake-up call. So, you have yourself a great evening, my friend, Thanks, and we'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, watching and listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, another podcast uh, was had. I want to make mention of our partners and sponsors. We've got Anchor FM, the easiest place to make a podcast. Phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. If you want to uh, make a podcast, go to Anchor FM. I recommend them heavily. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, first in, in, in industry, the uh, technology, performance, and value number one in the industry. And V350 stick is something that you need. Uh, I want to mention Pampas and Possibilities. They are designers of West Coast beautiful things for your home. Uh, go to Pampas and Possibilities on our website 
and Forever Living, uh, the health and beauty products made out of aloe vera. Uh, really phenomenal products. Go to our website. You'll be able to purchase products at a reduced rate. And thanks for your help partnering and sponsoring us. Um, yeah, we've got a great week ahead. Uh, happy President's Day. Happy Family Day. I hope you had an awesome long weekend. And um, go to our websites uh, for tons of great content. Love you guys lots. Take care of yourself. Have a really great week ahead. Bye for now.